1: Release the conspiracy crack in higher side chatters. From sunny San Diego, I'm Greg Carlwood, and for a full decade now, we've been talking to the cream of the crop when it comes to researchers, experts, and experiencers in the realms of alien abductions and entity contact, magical practice and grimoire ritual, as well as psychedelics and shamanism. And it seems like, if you're willing to take the ride, there are many roads that lead to encounters with some other type of intelligence out there that we still struggle to define. It's one of the most exciting things on this island earth, though interest in it on a widespread scale can't seem to supersede sporting events, the political circus, or the green paper chase, oddly enough. Of course, it's been mocked and ridiculed for years, and we have no shortage of unfortunate examples who have had their lives derailed and turned upside down just for talking about their genuine otherworldly experiences. But for the paracurious, if you spend enough time on the subject, you do find many of these encounters to have a similar shape, despite their radical strangeness. And here to share his insights from over a decade of potent paranormal experience and very close contact is Chris Bledsoe, a true superstar when it comes to genuine entity experiencers. If you've heard him talk about his encounters before, they check a lot of the boxes we're familiar with. Contact being triggered by heightened states of emotional turmoil, missing time, orbs dancing in the sky, beings of light, the odd presence of owls, football-shaped ships, burning trees, scorched ground markings, healing experiences, warnings, and prophetic messages, shadow people in his home, and an ongoing relationship that continues to this day. Personally, I first heard about Chris and Diana Pasolka's American Cosmic, and I've been intrigued ever since, as I know his experiences have led him to rubbing elbows with the Invisible College, high-level scientists, and government officials who have been trying to crack the E.T. mystery for years now. I can think of no other first-hand experiencer I'd rather spend some time with, so let's get into it. A real-deal contactee, friend of otherworldly entities, and knower of secrets, Chris, my man, welcome to the higher side. Thank you for that kind introduction there, Greg. I appreciate that. Glad to be here. Of course. This is a real pleasure for me. First, big thanks to your son, Ryan, who has been listening to the show for a couple of years and had a lot of kind things to say. It was him who got us in contact, and I'm very grateful. I know you're pretty selective after having MUFON do a hack job on your initial experience even though several other witnesses can back it up. So I appreciate you giving me a shot. I know you've broken down these individual stories many times and had at least four hour-long interviews with Richard Dolan that are very interesting. And with the level of detail you go into, sometimes these interviews can fill an entire hour just to talk about one event. And I don't want to just bring you here to repeat yourself, but... To give the uninitiated a bit of an overview, your first encounter happened in 2007 along the Cape Fear River near Fayetteville, North Carolina, after which you were healed from a long battle with Crohn's disease, and from that point on, you've had many more experiences. In the last 13 years, how often would you say this has occurred? Not only orbs in the sky, but face-to-face encounters with human-ish beings. I think about that all the time because I get asked a lot. <laughs> Early on
2: when it first happened in 07, it was pretty regular for a year and then it started just kind of being like a surprise every few months something would happen. But as time went on, it began to grow and now it's every week, it's just something all the time happening from things moving in the house, objects jumping off the shelves, to a huge orb I filmed right over my house this week, this very week. One of the best orb videos I've probably ever gotten, Hmm. and I got it just this week.
1: Amazing. Yes, you were kind enough to share some footage with me, as was Ryan, and it is compelling. I've seen things similar, but not so many videos from the same source, though it still is hard to really get a handle on what I'm looking at. Sometimes I would just be so excited to see some kind of dialogue take place on video or something like that, but it never seems to work out quite like that.
2: Right. It's hard to tell. Of course, nobody knows when these things are going to happen, but it happens so often I'm able to get a lot of video, and I don't really go out trying to get it. And A lot of it happens going out and just asking for it to appear, and here it comes. Uh, it's done that in front of quite a few people. Most recently, Dr. Bob McGuire from Virginia Tech, uh, the Institute for National Technology, Hume Center. He ran that place, and he was here last February. And had a really amazing experience, he and his wife Sharon. But it came. We walked outside, and I kind of looked up at the sky, and I said a little. Uh, I just asked under my breath, just like you would a children or a friend to come. And immediately they started appearing all around us and above us. And it's incredible how it all has unfolded, Greg. I just. It blows my mind as much as it would anyone else, how it just continues to get greater and closer. That orb this week, it was right over my house, and it was so low coming through the tops of the trees. You can see it in the video, just bits of it coming above the trees. And then when it gets right over the house, it
1: kind of pauses a second and turns towards the east. Hmm.
2: It's
1: very close up. Nice. And when it comes to the face-to-face stuff, I've heard you say that these beings always seem to come in threes or groups of three, sometimes six or nine, but in couplings of three.
2: Yeah.
1: And they look to you more like a mix between a traditional gray and a human. They wear cloaks and hoods, which you suggest is possibly because they are beings of light that would be Blinding to the experiencer. I think that's an interesting point that makes some sense. But what more can you tell us about their appearance when you see them up close?
2: I actually have a photo of them from about 20 feet away, and I took it with no flash in total darkness. And you can see they look pretty much like a ghost. But as you get closer, the closer you get, the more detail you see. And they looked like little children. I told this to MUFON almost 14 years ago, that I believed there were little angels, little children. A lot like you see depicted all in books and Bibles of these little angels you see. That's what it reminded me of. And that's what I told MUFON. And, of course, they weren't into angels a whole lot. They were looking for aliens of some sort. Hmm. But that was what I experienced, and that's what I described, and to this day, they're magical. When these orbs appear, I have on video an orb appear in front of myself and a group of people. This one particular person had cancer, and she was there for that reason. And this orb appears right in front of she and I. And then it flashes, a flash of light, and then you see this tall, glowing entity come out of the orb, and the orb is still there. You can see it spinning, like inside of this translucent white being, and it just kind of moves off the screen. But after that, she had no more cancer,
1: Mm. and she contributes it to that experience. Miracle. (laughs) Yes, I know you've experienced your own miracle, your father experienced a miracle, and this stuff seems to go hand in hand with these visitors that seem to be attached to you at this point. Well, that's
2: why I say what I say about them, you know. I don't know why an alien would want to come from 400 billion light years away just to aggravate me on a nightly basis, you know, or to be involved or to take crones away when i was asking for some help and then i've witnessed other people around me that have had miracles from children to adults even long distance adults over in australia send their stuff here clothing or pictures belongings and somehow another I get a lot of clothing and a lot of stuff in the mail. And there seems to be something happening with some of these people to where they have these miracles. And I never talk about this much, but my family knows about it and people in my inner circle. But this is why I say what I say. It's why I come up with the conclusions that I have. You know, I don't know it all. I do know I experience a lot of stuff. (laughs) <laughs> and the positive part is what i It's always positive, not negative. Yeah. I mean, it can scare you. It can be very scary because, you know, human beings aren't used to seeing this kind of stuff. It gets you off-sided real quick.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I And you've mentioned, you know, the orbs and then things flying off shells. And your experiences really seem to blur the line between something that people might consider a classic poltergeist or something more occult, and then the things that people now tend to consider alien. I mean, this is a relatively new category for strange phenomenon when you consider the whole history of it. But has this made it hard for you to tell your story or at least hard for the story to be accepted? Because people like to categorize, and if they can't fit it in a box, sometimes it seems a little difficult for them to digest.
2: I can tell you where I was just talking about this this week with some friends. 14 years ago, right at 14 years ago when this all happened, 07, the whole UFO world was all about nuts and bolts, meaning it was an alien with a ray gun riding in an X-29 star cruiser from planet zeta from the galaxy or whatever and you know what i'm saying they just have every kind of name every kind of outfit ray gun shoes had him outfitted and all i mean who knows this kind of stuff right (laughs) i'm still scratching my head how do they know this well imagine me saying i was out at the end of my rope asking whoever's up there for help and all of a sudden these three big balls of fire come out of the sky take me away for four four and a half hours and when i come back i'm not sick anymore Hmm. so that whole experience even though it was terribly frightening i still had this sense of peace about me knowing that something magical happened and everybody else had a terrible night that night And I was more afraid for my friends and my son, but it changed me then. And so here I come telling about angels and UFOs. And boy, I got ostracized real quick from the UFO world and being involved in the church most of my life. I got the same thing from the church. Oh, you're playing with Satan himself. The Nephilim, this made up word, you can't even find it in the Bible. But yet they appear to have every type of thing they can find about it. I mean, created about it. But long story short, I found myself in a place that was alone from the UFO world and from my home and where I was raised, my community. And I never would change. I knew what happened, I kept seeing it, they kept coming, they kept telling me, you have to tell what you know, there's a great deception coming, and for me inside, it was joyful. But to tell it was hard, and then people would make fun of you, and the very people I sought for help, UFO world, was probably one of the roughest ones on me. But i never quit i never looked back and every time i got the chance on uh, facebook or elsewhere in a chat room i'd always say good versus evil spiritual good versus evil so in over 14 years i can tell you pretty much i've had a lot to do with changing this whole community into seeing The spiritual or consciousness, they want to use that word, side of it. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a journey and we're seeing much progress. I feel a lot of gratitude for that.
1: Yes, indeed. And so of the many experiences that you've had, the one I would like to highlight is with a entity who you call the lady. On this particular night that you got something, I guess, let's call it the gift. It might be one of the strangest things I've ever heard. And for people who maybe haven't heard you break down your stories, I think this one is uh, peak high strangeness. But can you recount this for the people who haven't heard it?
2: Yeah, I can. And it kind of plays into what we were just talking about. So the first five years of getting brutalized by everywhere I went, from the UFO world to... My very family, even and surroundings, of just kind of was in depression. I didn't want to talk about it anymore publicly. I refused to go on any interviews. I mean, I was—it was over. I'm done talking about this, just to save my family and you know get back some normalcy in my life. But I couldn't get away because it kept appearing. They're showing up and showing up so i had this great compelling really what was happening was after 08 i began to remember a lot of everything that they shared with me and i knew this would happen based on dr o'connell from harvard working with me on regressions and all so i began to remember and my wife and kids were Actually, record me sleeping, talking in my sleep, and yelling out, and I just began to have this greatest compulsion. I had to tell the story, but I didn't want to. So, in April, the night before Easter Sunday, Saturday night, I was dead asleep at three in the morning, and I heard this deep voice just say "Arise" in a real deep. I mean, it was so loud it woke me up out of a dead sleep and actually frightened me because I looked about in the room to see who was in there and I asked who I heard that. Who's in here? And I don't know what happened at that point, Greg. I just know that I found myself outside fully dressed from sleeping, you know, in my underclothes to fully dressed with tennis shoes on following these three Shadowy entities out into the forest, out to the same area where the dog kennel is, where Chris Jr. and I had that experience. A lot of things happen in that area. It's hard to explain how, when you're near this, or when they, how they get you in this sort of like trance, but they do to where you just—I'm not afraid. I was just there, and this being reaches out and hands me this object and said this is yours you must keep and when i reached out and i grabbed it to hold it i just had my hands out and then when he placed it in my hands it was the shape of a pack of sausage about that size like a two and a half pound thing of sausage say a foot long and three inches around but it was furry it was gray and it felt warm and like a critter. I thought it handed me something like a critter, but it felt prickly to my hands. So I kind of freaked out and dropped it. Just dropped it on the ground. And this voice said, no, you must keep this. You cannot lose this. You must keep. This is yours. You must keep. So when I reached down to pick it up, I look up there gone. Nowhere to be seen. And here I am standing out near the kennel with this strange object that i'm afraid of in the dark and i'm trying to figure out what just happened (laughs) i mean why am i fully dressed standing in the forest with this thing in my hand and so i leaned over and opened up the end kennel and stuck this object in this kennel thinking i've got to find what's going on i'm not going to lose it you know i just felt like I could have it safe in this kennel it wouldn't get away and i could think and no longer than i put this thing in there this blast of wind and we're talking three in the morning in the dark and i could still see the trees behind the kennel and out to the side well this this blackness just appears this tree disappears in front of me like a hole opens up and out comes which for a second i thought it was just coming out of the forest this bull very big cow running at me and ran straight over top of me well i noticed it was translucent as it went over but it knocked me clear to my back i fell flat on my back on the ground in the leaves and i rolled over to my stomach to run or to figure out where this thing had went and my neighbor had a dairy farm i grew up next to one and helped work on it and no stranger to cows of course there's no cows nowhere around now and to the minute i rolled over and pushed myself up to get up all within seconds of being hit flat on my back rolling over getting up all in one stride to my knees is when here in front of me is no cow no more. It's a beautiful glowing woman with blue eyes and this translucent golden hair. And she has this white gown on. It goes from her feet to her neck and out to her fingertips barefooted and floating about three feet off the ground. I'm on my knees now and my Chin is up about her toes. She's probably six feet away and she's looking down on me, glowing. I mean, just beautiful sparkles within her dress, just flowing. And she said, You know why I'm here. And I knew immediately why she was there. This urge I'd had to tell what I've known to keep telling this story even though i'd committed to myself i'd never tell it again she said this is your burden you must keep this is the very first words she said you know why i'm here this is your burden you must keep and i knew what it was it was to tell it um and i struggled internally too because these beings are so strange looking um frightening actually um, And I grew up believing angels or these women or these beings with shiny dresses and wings and a crown or babies with wings. You know, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. Once I met Dr. Pasolka and the biblical, uh, I, I researched all I can. I still do about it. Uh, they were always creatures and there were terrifying events when they happened to the biblical people so you know here i am i don't know that would probably be the greatest thing when she told me she said you must tell the story so what's incredible greg is i didn't know it unbeknowing but dr pisalka at that time had gotten interested in this subject and i was very much her first subject you might say she was trying to get a meeting with me she wanted to hear me speak so she was working with mupon behind the scene to have them arrange for me to go speak well i would have never gone to speak because a week later mupon calls me and says can you go speak in another week so two weeks later i was at a meeting in Asheville, north carolina talking about the lady i just seen her and i didn't want to tell about the river event i wanted to tell about what just happened so just so turns out dr Basoka was there and that created an eight-year relationship to where we study about this and we have a lot of friends together that are into this and. Very important people. I introduced her to Tyler. Right. She talks about in her book. And others. It's amazing where the road has taken us. And we're still trying to figure it out.
1: (laughs) What it is. You know? Yes. Yes. People have been trying to figure this out for a long time. And I think we'll still be guessing for quite some time. But I do love that story. And I'm curious. So what happened to... The gift, this little hot dog thing that was prickly and gray. Are there any photos of it? Where did it end up going?
2: Well, it ended
1: up, you know, after the lady vanished in front of me,
2: it took me days to get over even the whole thing that just happened. I mean, I didn't think about this little creature where it went at that moment. I was just in La La Land. and. Honestly, I cried for the first four or five years I tried to talk about this because it was so much emotion there, literally, for four or five years. When I started talking about it, I couldn't. It just brought that much joy for her mm-hmm. to be there. And I don't know, I could go on and on
1: about that. So did it ever, it just wasn't there one day when you eventually went back to look for it? No, I got off subject. The very next day I
2: go back to find it and it wasn't there. And so I asked the lady, I actually had another experience with her Easter the next year. And I asked the lady what it was, what it meant, this thing. And she said it was symbolic. Of humanity not having any direction. No direction, no legs, no head. It was like life with no direction. Which made sense to me.
1: Hmm.
2: It was a symbolic symbol. Weird. Weird. Magic. Like they all are magic. These beings are very magical. They just appear out of thin air. Mm hmm. That orb you saw can appear as a helicopter. It can turn into a flying disc.
1: It can mimic airplanes. I've seen them do it. Hmm. Well, you know, one of the aspects I'm most curious about is the way their minds work or their logic. Because sometimes it seems very different from humans. I think the gift is a prime example, but how do you wrap your head around their minds and their personalities and their ways of thinking because it seems a little odd? What do you come away with when you consider those things?
2: I look at this thing as, um, I don't know. I try to see it in every light. I have a lot of friends that put up a lot of ideas, right? But what I do know is that there are a race of beings that live above us they're always there they're in the clouds the Bible calls them the clouds of heaven and if you look it's all over the Bible Jesus said when I return I'm coming back in or on a cloud always Now, this come from Dr. Pisalka and the studies in the Bible side. so there's a lot of reference to these Little angels, these cherubs that were muscular little creatures that live above us that protect humanity from darkness, you know. I don't know. I just, that's the way I reported them 14 years ago. Right. And even the Asians, the Japanese painted the wheel within the wheel. You know, these spirals, these spinning balls of light that looks like has a hole in the middle, a wheel. Those are the videos that I take a lot of. of this ball of fire that's massive spinning. Literally. You know, this hole. And I think that's more the true nature of them. But if you want to see a wooden sailing ship in the sky like they did in 1800s, well, they can appear that way.
1: Hmm.
2: So beans, what kind of beans are they? I don't. You know, the Bible calls them watchers, messengers, agents of God. Some are called principalities and powers or dominions, which would be evil or the dark force. I don't know of any writings that talk alien. I'm strictly going off 3,000 years of biblical data that relates to what we're seeing in the sky. And I just happen to be one of those.
1: <laughs> yes. And I've heard you talk about that cloud aspect before that. Obviously we know the Bible has been translated and retranslated and reconfigured and things have been edited out and put in and potentially in the ancient original Hebrew cloud meant something a little different. I mean, how do you really find something of unknown origin floating in the sky, I mean, if you're translating the Bible, you might think the closest thing you can is a cloud, but yet that is a very crucial difference between a weather phenomenon and something cloud-like that is a craft of some kind or an orb of some kind in the sky. And if you reread a lot of biblical stories with that context, some of them take on a whole new meaning and a whole new light
2: absolutely it does and it was hidden from us that's the reason they changed that word so we'd not figure it out and don't ask me why because it wouldn't do me good to say why (laughs) i just tell you there's a lot of stuff that was not taught to us that was just kind of gently hidden away but it's there but what does it mean i don't know greg in today's well, let's just say this it reacts biblically hmm. this is another way i feel that it has something to do because it reacts in to those who suffer a lot of suffering i hear it all the time i've had a thousand people at least write me over the years and we talk i try to talk to everybody give them the time and Sometimes it's hard, but just about everybody that calls me that's having these experiences started out with a tragedy or something, PTSD. I found out that some of the soldiers that come back from overseas, they'd suffer some very dark stuff, but they find the light. It changes them. That's a whole different story.
1: <laughs> yes, it is but you do make a good point about the trauma or the emotional state of the individual when something like this gets triggered. And there are those out there who take the angle that these are thought forms or some kind of conscious projection from the individual themselves, and these things seem separate, but maybe aren't exactly separate. And I think that's a little bit of a... Of a odd angle to take but the pros for that angle would be that these things come instantaneously from wherever they are they seem to know when a person is in this traumatic state and then sometimes people do see uh dead relatives i think i've heard you talk about in one of the orbs you saw one of your dogs that had passed away previously yeah Yeah. and it's just odd. If they are separate, they definitely seem to be able to pull imagery from a person's deeper levels of consciousness. But the fact that they're there right in that that crucial moment where people are kind of on the edge of an emotional break, these things appear and they say it's all going to be okay. I think consciousness is definitely deeper and more complex than we understand. Is it possible? Is there any part of you that thinks like, Maybe this came from a deeper, unrecognized part of your subconscious mind.
2: No. I think that just clearly comes from people that's never experienced this stuff. Sure. Because, for example, I've had as many as 20 people stand next to me and just on command or not command. I shouldn't use that word. Request, maybe? Yeah, on request, on a gentle way of requesting it, these things appear in front of everybody. And sometimes they appear when I'm not wanting them to appear. The example of a video I took this week, I was out working on my pickup truck. The heater wasn't working, so I thought maybe it's low on water. So I raised the hood and was putting water in the truck not thinking about ufos or aliens or angels or whatever anybody wants to call it and i just kind of look up over the hood and here it comes it's coming from up the street now, you know we live on a 15 acre piece of land with a gate coming in and it's gated you have to go through and we're the only house back in here and i could see it coming over the tops of the trees from the front and got right up over the house so it wasn't a thought form it wasn't me asking them to come they came to see me they
1: came to say hey we're here you know we need to tell you something yes having multiple witnesses definitely seems to throw a wrench in the thought form hypothesis
2: yeah i mean i've had all sorts of people from the government witnesses to 20 in groups of 20, witness it appear, and seem to communicate, you know, blinking on and off in one place or moving about, to appearing around us within 10, 15 feet away, orbs about the size of your hand or a firefly.
1: Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And what about their place in the universe? I've heard you suggest that, that they are some sort of managers of this physical reality. I've also heard you mention this physical reality as a human terrarium, which is the kind of language that I love. And possibly the reality that we experience might be illusionary to some degree. I guess I would ask how these experiences have affected your thoughts on what this world even is.
2: You know, I'm a very big pro supporter of an illusion that we're living in, and the reason why is from studying everything I can study, I have had two near deaths, and I've studied the near death. You know, John Alexander is a great friend. He studied that, and of course, I get all the latest data from him and other areas. and. I don't know. I've just forgot my train of thought.
1: Oh, just what this world is illusionary to some degree.
2: Oh yeah. Okay. So this is chemotherapy. When I take chemo and I've been on chemo for five years, six years now, and okay. it gets my short term memory mixed up. But Oh no. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. I, I had this severe bout of rheumatoid arthritis, which they think came from the orbs interaction with them.
1: Anyhow, I didn't mean to interrupt there. No, it's okay, for sure. But I would assume that having experiences with something non-human that is intelligent, that seems higher up on the hierarchy than we are, has to make you question this whole physical space, this whole life that we have here.
2: Well, you know, from seeing these orbs, I have literally... No telling how many. Over a thousand, let's just say easily, over into thousands, pictures of orbs and videos in the hundreds. And a lot of these pictures I have have people in them. Animals, dogs, my dog. A child, I think, maybe my child. So what are they doing in orbs around us? What does that mean? Why are they in these orbs? Why are there people around me that I can't see, but at certain times I'm allowed to see and I'm allowed to get pictures of this. So that started me beginning to understand, especially when I saw my dog in this orb by her grave, led me to understand that our soul, our spirit never dies. It's eternal. And we're just in a body. We're in a biological suit experiencing this human life from an eternal place. In other words, are these orbs in the eternal world? Are they in the real world? Are we in an illusion like a video game? Here we're creating video games. We're creating spaceships from technology that was given to us by the clouds, you might say. Mm. So we're just doing the same thing. We're creating artificial technology, AI, artificial intelligence. And, you know, we're living in deception often with the way the media is giving out information. So very easy to see that our creators are probably have created this real biological computerized world that we live in. And the way out of here is to save your soul. You can lose it if you believe in the Bible or you read or understand good versus evil. They say you can lose your soul here or you can gain the world. Your soul is eternal, but you can't lose it here. Hmm. So that's like a video game to me.
1: Yes. And you mentioned the development of technologies that were basically seeded from the stars, from gifts we've gotten from the clouds, I guess I should say. are, Are you saying that the development of artificial intelligence is a thread that was started because some kind of recovered metals or recovered gifts from these clouds led people down that path of developing AI?
2: absolutely where it came from where all our technology comes from it's from them they give it to us we're like in a terrarium this is what the guardians told me they call themselves the guardians and they told me we are what you would call the angels from the bible i told this to mufon i told it on the first uh this was a meeting when they came and got me and he'll they said this planet is like a terrarium we manage all the life here and we tend to it and it gave me this tremendous sense of nature something to do with nature it took me a long time to figure it out but i immediately went to the forest and went camping for weeks at a time after that event but when they told me that we're the guardians and they had these triangles on their what you would call a uniform, I guess. Underneath the glow, there was a triangle emblem. And that triangle led me to a lot of important things I can't talk about. But let's just say I have one of those I wear on my lapel that was gifted to me. The triangle is similar to the pyramids of Egypt, right? Yes. So the universal creation of life. Universal creators of life. That was what Tyler suggested, who they might be. Hmm. That triangle has a very big meaning to a lot of people. It got a lot of attention, let's just say, when I reported this part. And supposedly a part of that metal that was discovered, that was gifted to us, these things don't crash had
1: that same triangle stamped in the middle. Right on. Yes, the triangle was something I planned to ask you about. I guess there isn't a lot more you can say, but it seems to be pretty impressive. Are there any other artifacts or gifts that have been recovered that didn't originate here on the earth that you can talk about?
2: Well, i just say that I knew about them a long time ago. I knew about them before Diana did. And I introduced her to the people that kind of wants her to tell that story, if you understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I worked with the metals and tested with them and to get reactions from the stuff. and it's just too much to talk about. But Diana is really the one that can tell that story, but yeah, there are metals that were supposedly gifted to us. They don't crash. That's not true. From what I'm told, they don't crash. They were given to us to help us evolve our technology.
1: Hmm. Well, you mentioned the development of AI, and that is a curious thing because, of course, tools are just tools that can be used for good reasons or bad, but a lot of people are very concerned about AI. We have these algorithms on the Internet that are emotionally manipulative plugged into social media that keeps people addicted. It rewires the brains of young people. And uh, a lot of folks out there really are really worried about this technocracy taking over, this overlay of surveillance everywhere. And th- there's not a lot of good PR for AI technologies right now and, and the things that are coming out of Silicon Valley. And does that concern you at all when you're weighing the positive... Persuasion of these entities that they seem to be good, but they're seeding technologies that people are quite concerned about that are, are fundamentally changing what the human experience is, and they're typically used for control and somewhat manipulation of people.
2: Yeah, it's not used for the good, it can be a weapon. In fact, when I first started messing with this stuff, I told them I wouldn't contribute anything that had anything to do with weaponizing this stuff only for the benefit of health, you know, medical and sciences. And so that's the area we worked on is researching the medical side. But I can very easily tell you that they can easily weaponize some of that technology. Mm -hmm. Scary stuff, what they can do if they wanted to.
1: Yes, yes, I agree. And let me ask you a little more about the contacts you've made since your story came out. The people in the invisible college, as they call it, people from the deep corporate world, the CIA even, and military intelligence. You have formed some pretty strong bonds with these people. And I've heard you say that obviously technologies are being developed not only from these gifts, but based off information from your contact experiences. Can you elaborate on that at all And some of these relationships, or maybe not the identity of the people, but the organizations that you've been involved with that have shown an interest in your experiences?
2: Well, they're just like a big family of people that, let's just say they're scientists. They're scientists that work for this country Most all technology is owned by the government. Anyhow, that should be a clear understanding. Any technology basically is owned by our country. And so, yeah, they have a big interest in it and have for a long time. We just didn't know about it, but. The first scientists to come around were probably NASA and they became friends and still have very good friends at NASA. Some of the most famous scientists in the world there are friends of mine and very good friends. And I have friends in the CIA, several, the Air Force, and they're all just people very much interested in learning. Because I've asked them all, why do you come to me? Why am I important to you? Why do you want to come to my house and see these lights in the sky? And they'll all tell me the same thing because we want to see them too. We know they like you. They don't like us, and we'd like to learn from it. And so that's the approach that they've all come on. And over the years, I've learned to understand they don't have near as much as what people think they have. And they want to learn. I mean, it would be crazy if they didn't, right? And so yeah, I have a lot of friends in Navy Navy intelligence, all of them. The NSA, National Intelligence. You know, John Alexander, he's in the Los Alamos National Laboratories non-lethal weapons expert. There's just a lot of people interested and They have the same questions we all do. What is it? You know? Why does it keep coming? Like Jim Simivan, he's a friend of mine. He commented on that video I sent you. I think you got the same one Mm -hmm. this week. And he said it was one of the best or videos he'd ever seen. Period.
1: Yeah, it is impressive. And I wanted to revisit this triangle because, as you mentioned, there was an entity where it seemed to have a light in chest with this dark triangle, and then this inner circle of scientists seemed to have an artifact that also has this triangle stamped on it. In previous interviews, I've heard you say that you were told this came from 50 million light years away from beings who can get here in two hours. Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's what I was told.
1: Okay, I'm curious how this information could be known. These beings wouldn't be familiar with what an hour is. The speed of light doesn't seem to be a constant. So I'm curious if members of this research group have gone back to this planet 50 million light years away and realized it took two hours, because it seems like hard information to know without going there. I know, right? <laughs> I scratched my head at that when
2: they first told me that 12 years ago. or So I scratched my head and said, huh? <laughs> yeah, I can't say a whole lot about that. But they know, at least the person that was telling me this would know what
1: he's talking about.
2: <laughs> and I trust him.
1: I understand that. I wonder if there's just a deeper relationship with these beings than us commoners would realize.
2: Well, they know they're up there. Hmm. We know it because they can see it. Anybody with ground-based cameras, NASA or any of these people that watch the sky on radar, they see all these anomalies all the time. They just don't know what it is for the most part. It's not like you can drive up there and say, stop, and let me ask you a few questions, right? It just don't work that way. And they're so highly technical. It's like it's like the tic-tac thing with the, the military. Everybody's all into that. And that was one of the greatest things they ever did was tell that story. Because that's the truth. It's like disclosure. But what they're seeing mostly is on radar. Hmm. And seeing it on a screen, but not visible, physically visible. Sometimes they are. I've heard that they had visible sightings off the ships.
1: Mm-hmm. But a lot of it was on radar. Right on. So if these beings are angels, or if they're some kind of stewards of our reality, some kind of managers of our physical reality, isn't it weird that they would have a home planet?
2: I don't know that they have a planet. I think they live in the atmosphere. I think that they're there all the time. And the reason I say that is from all the photos I have reading diana's information on the clouds the biblical clouds and there's a lot of information on that in the story of moses in the exodus where he talks about for 38 years when they left egypt for 38 years a cloud a pillar shaped cloud what's a pillar that's like a column or a cigar or a pole but a pillar shaped cloud 38 years went before these people and hovered over top of them and gave them shade in the day and was on fire, glowing at night to give them warmth and light and fed them what they called manna or food from heaven every day for 38 years. It's all over the Bible. They called them clouds.
0: Mm.
2: King James, 500 years ago, when he retranslated the Bible, He intentionally left that word real meaning out and made it look like a weather phenomenon, mistranslated. And we know this for sure. So what are we dealing with? They act on sympathy, but then you wonder why, you know, so many people suffer and they don't just come and stop it all. I wish I had all those answers. Right. You know, I don't know. But I don't necessarily think we're dealing with a zeta (laughs) some name somebody gave a being from so many light years away i think it's more like robert bigelow says they live around us they're right next to us we just can't see them
1: yes i agree it seems like a good Group of words to describe them are atmospheric plasma intelligence of some kind. It just makes me curious about that artifact from 50 million light years away. Yeah. Let me also ask you about the prophecies of the lady. I know there is a record of an earthquake prophecy that did come true that you spoke about beforehand. Yeah. I know that she also mentioned to you that people in power are using the book of revelations as a sort of script to bring about the end of the world. And if Jerusalem would become the capital of Israel, this would be a marker for you to know that the script is ongoing. Can you elaborate on this for us and where this script seems to be at in this uh, road to the apocalypse, the revealing?
2: Well, it's pretty obvious that the scripture is being fulfilled. I mean, any way you look at it, there's nobody can say it's not being fulfilled based on the writing in other words there's still things to go if that scripture is to be played out like it's supposed to there's still time but what the lady told me was that we have a choice to let it all play out that way or to change our path and we change our path by changing the way we live, not being divided and in fear, but being united and in peace, and that'll bring about a new awakening, a new world. So I don't think we're going to the end of the world, but I think we're going to the end of this age, the end of Pisces. The old preachers called it the end of the world or the end of time, more like the end of time being the end of this age. but. I think there's a grand finale within the people that's going to play out here soon. And there'll be an awakening to a new reality. And I put this in writing to the Pentagon, saying in 2006 is when I expected this to come. This new knowledge, this new reality, that man would soon know a new, complete reality.
1: Hmm. This message is pretty consistent with ones I've heard from other experiencers that we have this choice that we need to not live in war and polarization and this divided type of way that we need to come together as humanity. But what gets me is that these beings have to understand that this isn't a state that is necessarily natural, but it's a manipulated state from the powers that be from the governments that propagandize the people and it makes it really hard because how can we make this choice when we're dealing with such a sophisticated manipulation machine and we're just supposed to to overcome it it's like you know you or i or a lot of people listening we are into this counterculture where we do see how the mainstream is generally heavily manipulated but we don't really have any control on the waking up of other people because sometimes people get quite angry when we start trying to tell them about these things and trying to wake them up. So it just seems like we're stuck. Well, we're
2: not because there's going to be a few things I think that's going to take place that will cause the people to wake up. One thing I've mentioned, it sounds so strange, but rings true is the way i understand it is the collective of humanity all of humanity's collective let's say as far as fear or darkness is on a very big high right now the more the people are in fear and in darkness and divided the worse that our environment reacts to us mm. We're all part of the same living machine. Earth is more like the machine. and We're more like a subatomic particle within an atom, you might say. So we affect this planet we live on very negatively from emotions and through fear and negativity. And it can reset. It's like a biological reset mechanism built in within this Earth that can shake like a dog with fleas to get rid of them now, this is something i'm telling you that they put within me to understand and i'm still trying to work it out but if we were all happy and in peace and in love and, and pure the whole world over i think you'd see the earth and climate and all settle down and become something different But it seems to be all going out of control all at the same time. Not just humanity, but the weather and the environment and the earth. It's all connected, Greg. And this is kind of what they made me understand. We're all tied to the same consciousness or the same creator, you might say, same computer.
1: (laughs) Yes. That makes sense to me that our collective state of consciousness has an effect on the world around us. Regardless of how we got into that state, manipulated or not, it doesn't matter because the reality is reflection of what is in our collective conscious. So without that mental switch, we can't trigger that new world we might want to enter.
2: Exactly. Bingo. You said it perfect.
1: Man, this has just been a, a true pleasure. You seem like a very genuine guy. I've really enjoyed your previous interviews talking about all the actual events you've been through in great detail. It's been a real joy to pick your brain a little bit. Big thanks to Ryan. Uh, I wish I was privy to some of the inner circle invisible college conversations that you've gotten to be a <laughs> part of. And I wish I could hold that medal in my hand to to just know it was real and and feel it for myself. But I guess I'll just, for a while now, be on the outside looking in, and that's okay. But uh, I really did have a gr- have a great time. Uh, you seem like a very special guy, and I appreciate your insights. Thanks for the time, and hopefully we can do it again. Is there anything you want to leave the people with? Any uh, you don't really have anything to promote. You're not selling books. You're not. But you know, if you want to give people anything they should check out or, or be prepared for, let them know.
2: Well, I just appreciate you having me on, and I'd be honored to come on again. In fact, I've been off the air for four months now, but as the fall goes on through Christmas, I'm going to probably be doing this more, but I would just say be vigilant. Don't believe everything you see and hear at all, and just pray for sunshine and all this darkness to go away because we're in some really rocky times that anything could happen and hurt a lot of people real quick that's what i'm afraid could happen we just need to be very careful and vigilant and try to shine some light get rid of the darkness in our thoughts and don't listen to the tv and the division and all that that's out there It's the biggest thing that I can tell anybody is to rid any negativity within your thoughts or your home or your. don't even have any of it around you. The Greeks used to say, I learned this from a Greek professor, they would never even say that their left hand wasn't as strong as the right hand. As minuscule as that sounds, you would be bringing negativity against your own self by saying that that's how much speaking negativity can affect a human being we don't see it that way but the ancient Greeks do and I believe it's very real that we can bring it into our lives it's all in our head everything's in our thoughts everything and we choose to live happy or we choose to live sad or we choose to live angry and upset let's all choose to live in happiness And overcome this darkness for a while. It'll make it all a lot better, I can tell you. Mm.
1: Well, those are wise words. Cheers to that. I, again, appreciate your time. Big thanks to Ryan. Best of luck and take care out there. Same
2: to you, Greg, and I appreciate it, brother.
1: All right, guys. Here we are. Chris Bledsoe, telling it like it is. It's pretty rare that we do full episodes with a single first-hand experiencer. The main reason for that is because if we've been looking at this for so long, then we're familiar with the general template. So usually I'll get a researcher here who can talk about multiple stories, particularly the ones that have weird outlier elements, which is exactly why of all Chris's stories, I wanted to have him talk about The Gift, because what the hell? But I made the conscious choice that we weren't going to just go over the basic experiences that Chris has had, because then we wouldn't have time to get to the real end of the rainbow, which is the wider implications. I mean, if this is completely new to you and you haven't heard about Chris, then I do think the best way to educate yourself is with the Richard Dolan sessions. I think when Richard was here, he even mentioned Chris's story. But that's four hours of UFO orb experiencer goodness, and it's some fairly important background to an interview like the one we did today. But I'm trying to get as deep as we can, and that means trying to summarize the experiences in the intro and assuming that you're familiar with what a lot of these experiences generally entail. And I know there will be mixed feelings about Chris and his story and his credibility. There always is. He emphasized his photographs and videos a lot today. I understand why. It's kind of the one thing he can control. Both he and Ryan shared some with me, and I would say they're good. They're consistent with the types of video and photos you see in this realm, but they also show his house, so you can tell that things are happening in the same area, and they look genuine to me, but I'm not really seeing... The smoking gun that I could take to a skeptic and blow their minds wide open. I mean, these things are not easy to capture clearly, and naysayers will always find a way to dismiss this sort of stuff. That's really my point. They're not open-minded anyway. But even if some are a little shaky and a little fuzzy, they're all his footage. And it's hard to explain how one person gets stuff like this without being an experiencer. And let's be honest, my phone is one of the newest non-5G-enabled phones out there on the market, but even if I try to use the Zoom at all, even photos just across the room in bright light look kind of trash. I know you aren't going to be able to see the little clips that I'm talking about to judge for yourself, so I'm trying to be very honest. And this isn't Billy Meyers stuff here, it is much better than that. But honestly, if I didn't think there was something to Chris's story, I just wouldn't have done it. So I'd rather focus on what is exciting and interesting about it. Chris said several things today that have been on my mind since we recorded. I think there's even more reading between the lines that I have to do after another listen. But Chris is just so amazing and unique because he sits in a nexus between working alongside a PhD-level researcher who has access to the Vatican Archive, the Invisible College, and interdimensional entities that everybody else seems to want to know more about. With a show like this, we're getting a little bit of insight on all angles, and I just love that. There's probably even a few places where you could tell during the interview, but I'd find myself so engaged with every little thing Chris would say at times, trying to read as much into it as I could, and then I'd remind myself that I don't have that luxury right now. I gotta keep the train moving. I'm working here. But as I was going back, I think this is just a really good one. I've always thought there was something special about that book, American Cosmic. I reference it a lot, even still. So it was great to be able to follow up. And so Chris's son set this up, and I'm very thankful for that, and I might even follow up with Ryan on if we can test out that healing effect with my deaf ear. I'm fine the way I am, but it does provide a very public litmus test that can't be denied. Then I could get a surround sound system for the living room and actually notice a difference. (laughs) But it would be a pretty amazing thing, you gotta admit. Also, Chris's case was the first one investigated by the ATIP program. That's just a fact. For some people, that will make this more credible. For others, they will see it as less credible. You know, the most common conclusion about Bob Lazar is that he's being honest about what he saw, but he was shown things in a highly controlled and calculated way. So that it's not some CIA spook making the rounds, but a genuine guy who was led down a path with the intention of the material making the rounds in the alternative scene. This isn't my conclusion on Bob Lazar. I don't really have one. But I'm just saying this is the general shape of what I've heard most often. And so I could see why when I'm looking into forums and comment threads about Chris, some people take it there. I don't think Chris is being deceitful at all, but I definitely can't know if he's being deceived by people or beings, really. I'm just on the outside looking in, taking a man at his word. So after listening back to this and thinking on it more, one of the things I didn't expect him to say was that AI was a thread of development that started from a gift from these beings. But AI is very much in the transhumanist soup, the very thing people worry will break reality. As the story goes, if these gifts come from these higher-level angels, quote-unquote, might they be the jealous angels planting the very seeds that cause our downfall under the guise of gifts? I'm not trying to twist Chris's words or story. I'm only curious. I still wonder about the artifact he was told came from 50 million light-years away, and it only took two hours to get there. It's curious to reverse-engineer what Chris was told, and think about how that information could or would even be known by these scientists. That was one of the key things I wanted to ask Chris about, and I saved it for the end of the first hour. But Chris said, yeah, I wonder about that too. And so it was kind of anticlimactic, but he's just passing along what he's heard. What's he supposed to say? Funny that this episode coincides with this story that just came out yesterday that's been sent to me more than anything in a long time, where apparently... Chaim Ished, the guy who used to run Israel's space security program, said in an interview conducted in Hebrew that not only are aliens real, they're secretly working with our governments, and they've asked not to be revealed because humanity isn't ready. He even said they have their own galactic federation, that President Trump was told and really wanted to blow the lid off everything but was convinced not to, that there's an agreement between the U.S. government and the aliens, that they signed a contract with us to do experiments here, we've heard that before. And probably the biggest thing he said was that there's an underground space base on Mars right now where man and alien are working together. I mean, really, what a thing to coincide with this interview going on. I do take it with a large grain of salt, considering the source. I assume anything disclosed by someone at that level was pre-vetted and carefully delivered. I doubt it was just some old scientist finally speaking out, but it's exciting to hear. I'm with a lot of those people who said, ah, this old story, humanity isn't ready, but these beings will work with our militaries and governments because they're so enlightened. It's true. It almost sounds crafted by the elite because they take for granted that they're in this privileged position and that they're better than the rest of us. But if we are talking to some ET federation, some other foreign cosmic governmental bureaucratic group, It could just be psychopaths working with other psychopaths, you know? If humans made it to another planet and made contact, would it be our most kind and gentle souls making that contact? No, it would be military intelligence. And I think privileged elite hierarchies aren't necessarily only on Earth, or in this dimension, if we want to be more in line with Chris's perspective. Besides, when something is trending on Twitter like this is, or the monoliths were, You gotta wonder why it's getting viral attention, and all the mysteries and stories we talk about around here get ignored. If we're gonna say these platforms are highly controlled and censored, then we have to consider that even when we see something we like and want to believe. But this is a big topic this week. Jacques Vallée was even on Rogan. Now I'll never get him. (laughs) But I think this invisible college is getting older, and they're getting looser. That's my hope anyway. But of course, we got a lot deeper in the second hour of the interview for PLUS members. We talked about the prophecies of the lady, simulating a mass contactee experience, a big revealing that's coming, maybe within a few months. Obviously, we've heard that before too, but Chris makes an interesting case. We also talked about how the technocracy's agenda might relate to the beans revealing. That's pretty wild. You think Jimmy Church is going to ask about that? Please. He's not going that deep. He don't even know. <laughs> I kid. I kid. Everything's fine. We love Jimmy Church and all of our colleagues. We also talked about Chris's healing experience and ability, which Bruce Fenton seems to know firsthand. In that section, Chris mentioned in passing that he's never asked for himself, but the healing is always for other people. And that ties in a lot with Lynn McTaggart's work. Which we'll all be hearing about on THC very soon, but that only made it more credible in my eyes. We also talked about the idea that this cycle of genetic tinkering and a great reset, so to speak, might have happened dozens of times. How liquidification of the Earth in a solar blast could be involved, and how important it might be to not let anything enter our bodies that might be aimed at altering our genetics. If, you know, such a thing, or ever to be offered to the unsuspecting public. Something to keep in mind, that's all. Lots of good stuff in that plus show. Sign up at thehiresidechats.com. But again, big thanks to Ryan, and of course to Chris, and to you, dear listener. Couldn't do it without you. Before we really call it in, I also want to preface the reveal of a new THC song by saying... This one is amazing. I wrote the words and I had a good friend of mine actually bring it to fruition. And he did an amazing job. He's just the guy for it. You can find him on SoundCloud under Tony Party. But I could not think of a better way to end this episode because the lyrics that I wrote for this cover song parody jive so well with the Chris Bledsoe perspective. It's that magical synchronicity of the universe or something. But I'm getting out of here. Your move, keepers of secrets, alien angels and beings in the space between worlds. Your fucking move.
0: From space it was falling, its light started calling, it's making crop circles again. Just as I was looking up, it showed me all the hidden stuff, and now I'm all enlightened and zen. Waking up the masses is hard, silver ships are coming yard by yard, now I'm not asleep, don't obey. in crime since the visitors set me straight. I encourage you to go when you see the saucers glow. One by one we'll all end up awake. Enlightening the masses is hard. Silver ships are coming yard by yard. Now we're not. dumb starts to die the balls